Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, I think we all have a Christmas memory that instantly transports us back to a moment in our lives, like the scent of a fresh-cut uh, Christmas tree, when snowflakes stay on your nose and eyelashes, the taste of cinnamon in your grandmother's cookie recipe, or that scratchy vinyl record your parents played every Christmas morning. Those moments live right here in our hearts, and sometimes it feels so close. We feel like we can grab it. One of them for me is the song, A Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. I think I was in about fifth or sixth grade, and for some reason or another, my dad, my brother, and I, we were driving back home. And it was one of those nights, it was beautifully crisp, and it felt like you lived inside a snow globe. My dad took all sorts of routes home, never one the same, and he just stopped uh, the car at a park near this river, and he told us to get out of the car, which my brother and I looked at him, but this song was on the radio. He turned it all the way up, and if you're not familiar, the song is simply having a wonderful Christmas time. And he flung all the car doors open, and we danced like crazy as the snow fell all around us. I remember feeling joy. It wasn't about what Christmas present I wanted that year, that we needed to hurry up and get home for bed. It was about laughter, dancing, and singing. Those are the kind of simple moments we will forever treasure in our heart. Long ago, it wasn't a snow globe kind of night, but Mary, Jesus' mom, would never forget her experience. Over the past two weeks, we have walked through what the shepherds encountered that night as they visited this new family and witnessed the hope that was Jesus. Everything perfectly choreographed by God. And in Luke 2.19, it says this, Mary, too, pondered all of these events, treasuring each memory in her heart. Now, she was recounting everything that the last nine months had in store for her, which were really quite unbelievable. So much so that when I think about it in my head, it kind of sounds like a movie trailer. In a world where a teenage girl, chosen by God, mothers a child that would come to save us all. Maybe it's a little dramatic, okay? But that's what I think. (laughs) All of these events, they were confirmed not only by a messenger from God, but her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, was also visited by an angel. Uh, Mary's relatives were pregnant with their own miracle child. God's protection on their exhausting trip and the birth of their son. It's truly beyond words, and to see the scene that God is creating and reading it, it almost seems impossible. For Mary, this was not a blissful pregnancy, filled with Pinterest-worthy baby showers and selfies of her baby bump. No. She knew the truth of what was going on. God had already told her. But I'm sure the human side of it was a little awkward. The stares from her neighbors, the comments under their breath the uncomfortable home birth. All of it, she still chose to cherish it and treasure it. Why? Well, based off this verse, I imagine Mary to be a very contemplative person. 
She took the time to look at what God had already done, not only on that night, but all the events leading up to Jesus' birth. It was perfectly orchestrated on God's time. She didn't have the distractions of up-to-date news notifications taking off on their phone or TikTok dances to scroll through. Yeah, she had the daily grind of it all, just like all of us, but she diligently spent time reflecting, drawing closer to God, and maybe that is one of the reasons why God chose Mary, because she would be able to savor and treasure these moments in her life, using this wisdom to give her Um, the idea that God's hand has been in it from the beginning, and he loves her so much. In Luke 1.35, a messenger from God told her, Mary, that is why this holy child will be known not just as your son, but also as the son of God. She understood God was in it, using all these events, all these circumstances to uncover something bigger than just herself. When you're a kid, I think everyone wants to find lost treasure. When I would dig in the backyard or in a sandbox, I thought to myself, this is going to be the day I'm going to find gold or rubies, which never really happened. But I watched a lot of Goonies, so I thought if they could find One-Eyed Willie's treasure, of course I could too. It's that hidden part of uncovering something that is really intriguing, right? Something so special, just waiting underneath the surface. So what if we look back at our journey, or even these last nine months, and had the perspective of treasure? What would we uncover? What would we see? Some say quarantine life has allowed us to ponder, to review our lives, but have you? Or have you still found yourself wrapped up in just something else? Have you allowed yourself to think deeply and quietly consider this last year's events and discovered how God has orchestrated your own life? Because that's the treasure of reflecting. We talked about sharing your story last week, and it's important to know your story. It's valuable. It's hidden in your heart and what makes you, you. We have a relationship with Jesus, and when we allow him in, even though he was there all along, it's beautiful. But as humans, we do an excellent job of completely overlooking him, don't we? Now, some will say, Danielle, the past is the past. Let's move forward. And I agree, it's not healthy to dwell there forever, But for all the times we move forward, have you overlooked and disregarded what God has done? In the busyness of life, we think, if I only could accomplish this, I can't wait for this to happen because you fill in the blanks. It's kind of like reading the first few chapters of a book and just jumping to the last chapter to see what happened really interesting and humbling to reflect on the events of our lives. And as we start to cultivate that mindset, we start to witness God was a part of your story too. So do me a favor today. 
maybe grab yourself a cup of cocoa, get by the Christmas tree or someplace you can be alone. Moms, I hear you. And put in some extra marshmallows. It's 2020, okay? And just think and reflect on what he's taught you. What do you understand better this year? How did you stand up for something? What are you passionate about? And how has he allowed you to heal from some hurt that's been there for a very long time? Don't skip over the middle section of our lives. That's the good stuff. One of the beautiful things I find freedom in in having a relationship with Jesus is that the Christian life is not going to be some ascent to the top, that we are going to be completely perfect the second we allow Jesus to be a part of our lives. No. It's more like a roller coaster, okay? It's twists and it's turns, questions and growth, challenges and triumphs. It's a ride, And yes, sometimes it's really hard, and it's hard to fight for that treasure on our journey. Because you know what? The enemy, he just wants you to walk away, to forget about it, and bury it in the sand. Maybe you have not uncovered a relationship with Jesus yet, or yet you see it glimmering in the sand, but you're scared to dig a little bit deeper. What would you uncover? What is he all about? I will encourage you, it's worth it. Keep digging, keep searching, keep questioning because a relationship with God is a treasure worth more than its weight in gold. And for those of us that sometimes just set our treasure aside, it's not too late to pick it back up again. Let's make a conscious commitment a commitment to have this relationship be bigger than just showing up on a Sunday morning, saying a random prayer that doesn't even finish before your head uh, falls on the pillow. That's me. Let's choose to treasure each memory in our heart and the way he's used our story so far to grow others and ourselves. Lance talked about being receptive last week in order for us to encounter God, and I believe we also have to examine if our heart is prepared to receive. Cardia is the Greek word for heart, and it occurs over 1,000 times in the Bible. Now, obviously, it can mean the biological heart that keeps us alive with our continuous supply of blood and oxygen. But more often, it is the emotional, figurative heart that the writer is referring to. But just like the physical one, we need to be able to take care of our emotional heart in a way that we can treasure those encounters and moments God is using to shape and mold our lives. After this year, what kind of shape is your heart in? I don't know if you noticed, but this is probably the first pandemic that you've lived through. Congratulations. When we don't take care of our heart, it becomes hardened, stubborn, and scared. It makes me think of the Grinch's heart, how it became three sizes too small. To be honest, if I look at my life and where my heart is at times, it isn't the best. I probably think way more of what you all think of me right now than what God does. I worry I'm not doing what I can for my kids, I'm not listening to my husband enough. (laughs) 
and I am just not there for the people in my life. I am frustrated. I didn't call so-and-so. I just keep going, and I keep moving to the next thing. And time and time again, he patiently just waits for me to have my moment, and he allows us, though, to have that moment so we can wrestle and ponder like Mary in order to learn. Jesus says in John 14, 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, but also believe in me. Who's going to care for your heart like God would? When we read his word, when we pray, and when we fill our lives with the people that God gave us, he says, you need to believe in me. You don't disappoint me. And he calls us to rest. Rest in the fact that you are his. You are loved and enough only because what he has already done. He is more than enough. And you're never going to have to worry that he's going to stomp all over your heart or disregard it. Jesus is going to hold your heart so lovingly and tenderly. When we have a relationship with him, with Jesus, he can provide us joy, value, and peace that we can't do on our own. But in order for him to usher that into our lives, we need to understand that the hard work is in the heart work. Make sure you heard that. The hard work is in your heart work. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. But if we choose to step into that space, to recognize whatever toxic thoughts have run amok, then we can just kind of Marie Kondo those things out of it so our hearts are free. When we tend to our heart, those bruised places, they're going to be restored through him. So who's holding your heart today? Is it someone else? Shame that you have never let go of. Anger that has built up so much. Or is it just holding disappointment? Whatever it is, Jesus, he wants it all. He wants your whole heart. And that's what the greatest commandment says. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Let's choose to do the hard work on our hearts. Because when we break free of those hardened, bruised, standoffish hearts, we fully experience God's grace and his glory. And that is the kind of hope that each one of us is waiting for. Mary continued to store these memories like treasures in her heart. That's what Luke wrote on and later in the chapter. But after Jesus was born, there wasn't really a ton of information of him growing up as a kid. And in one way or another, Jesus gets separated from his family at a time, um, and he's left at the temple. That's where his family finds him. And they were a little worried and concerned. But after finding him, his parents again are reminded of this special relationship that he has with God the Father. The writer Luke continues to showcase how Mary keeps on treasuring these valuable moments and how important it is to carry these treasures with her. Mary is constantly experiencing God in her own life through her own son. 
witnessing his work and seeing Emmanuel in the flesh. Grab him hold of every one of these little moments to prepare her, to prepare her because someday, 33 years later, she would be standing at the foot of her son's cross. Her son who chose to die to save us all. The night of Jesus' birth was an experience that transformed hearts, and it didn't stop there. We see the shepherds again, as Luke says, they returned to their flocks, praising God for all they had seen and heard, and they glorified God for the way the experience had unfolded, just as the heavenly messenger had predicted. The shepherds praised God for everything they had seen. You know, this passage, it really includes all of us. Because our hope is, here at Westridge, is that everyone walks through these doors or watching online can encounter, embrace, and embody the radical love of God. I encourage you this week to take a moment, reflect your story and what he's given you. What kind of heart work needs to be started? And just be present in this season of what his love is all about and what it's going to show you. Because it's all over his word in the Bible. It was the love that was there in the garden and in creation. It was the love that was near Hannah in her fear and in her infertility. It was the love that was in the prophet Jeremiah's words that said, God is coming to save us. The love that was in his mercy as he sent his own son into this world as an innocent baby. The radical love of God that allowed Jesus to die for you and me. This love. This is the treasure of Jesus. It is bigger than Sundays. It is bigger than Christmas. So what are you going to do about it? He wants a relationship with you, and this is just the start. We get to be a part of his plan. We get to treasure and ponder what God is going to do next in our world, here at our church, and in our own life. Let's really behold him. Let's really see him in our hearts and remember the hope that this is just the beginning in Christmas.